can't you see the signs of the times don't you know that the time is short soon the when Jesus comes. And at this time, uh, I want to give honor to God as we go into our Sunday morning uh, study. I'm Pastor Larry with Lighthouse Church of Copper's Cove. And I want to thank everybody for joining us this Sunday morning. 
This is Palm Sunday. This represents the beginning of the time when Jesus began his march towards the cross where he would be judged, crucified, and die for the remission of sin and shed his blood that we might be washed and cleansed and that he might be risen from the dead that we might uh, be able to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. And today I want to talk about being ready, preparedness. Uh, I think we touched on that last segment, uh, but now is that time. Let me take you to a scripture in the book of Matthew, the 24th chapter. Um, and Satan is working hard that he might deceive them uh, that have already made the the choice uh, to depart from sin and to uh, be a part of God's kingdom. Uh, but the scripture says this, it says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as not as since the beginning of the world to this time, nor even shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch as that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. And I want you to know we're living in the last days. And I want you to know that since these are the last days, you're seeing things, you're hearing things um, that might cause some confusion. But God, the word of God says, is not the author of confusion. He's very clear in what it is that he expects of those who he elects to be his sons and daughters. And what he said from the beginning remains to this day. He has told us that we should be holy as he is holy. And that hasn't changed. Many things have changed in the church world and many things have changed in the church world to make it, it, it it's simple for men to do what they want to do. But God, as I said before, and I'll say it again, he has been the same since the beginning. He has been holy, and he yet remains holy. But we tend to, as people, want to bring in things that uh, make our lives more comfortable. In Galatians, it says this, Galatians 5 and I'll start reading at verse 1. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty 
wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For Jesus Christ neither for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Did ye, who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Then he goes on in 1 Corinthians 5 and in verse 6 he says that your glorying is not good if ye know not that a little leaveneth leaveneth a whole lump. Now, what is this leaven? Well, this leaven is is a doctrine. And a doctrine is, is what we teach concerning what we believe. And there are many doctrines in the church world today because there are many different beliefs in the church world today. Uh, the church has evolved but God is not an evolving God. His standard remains the same as it has from the beginning. He's looking for righteousness. He's looking for holiness. He's looking for them that will willingly obey him. And I know that we don't like to obey anybody, but you've got to obey God. Now, this leavening is what we uh, allow to creep into our church, the doctrines that we allow to creep into our church to justify our behavior. And our behavior is the things that we do. It's easy for somebody to say that I'm of Christ. I am a Christian. I'm a saint. It's easy for you to have people drawn to you, especially if you're charismatic in nature and they listen to solely what you say. But I want you to know it's not just the things that you say that matters because God goes beyond that. He searches the heart. He looks at not just what we say, but the things that we do. I've been teaching this over the past couple of years uh, concerning the matter. And Jesus said it, and it's simply this, that a tree is known by the fruit that it bears. A tree can call itself anything, just like we can call ourselves anything. But the true definition of a person comes out in the things that they do. A saint is not a saint just because they call themselves a saint. Neither is a Christian a Christian just because they call themselves a Christian. A person is who they are by who they are. Don't believe what a person says 
believe what a person does. Today we want to examine ourselves. We want to see if we are who we say we are by our measure or by the measure of God. And the measure of God comes through the scriptures. In 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, it tells us in verse 28, let a man examine himself. And this is referring to um, the taking of the Lord's Supper. But it's to examine yourself to see whether or not you're even worthy to be a partaker of it. So it takes some inner searching. It is not inner searching concerning how you see things, but it's looking at things the way God sees things. Examine yourself to see if you are in the true faith. In 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, it talks about examining yourself to see whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not yourselves, your own selves, how that Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? We have to know for ourselves that Christ is in us. But it's not something that we condition ourselves to say over and over again just to believe it. But it's knowing that his spirit abides in us, that we might abide in him. And how do we, we know this? We know this because we know that there is a change in our behavior. Paul refers to that as our old man. The old man being crucified with Christ. We need to know that we're not suppressing our old behavior, but that our old behavior has died and we now have a new behavior. We need to look at whatever it is that we do and determine whether or not God is pleased with it. One thing I do know, I do know that everything um, that we do today can be measured up against history. The book of Ecclesiastes says that there's nothing new under the sun. But I, I tell you today that history does repeat itself. Let's look back in Genesis, and I want to start at the sixth chapter. And we're going to look at um, Noah and his time. Now, we know that the book of Genesis starts by God creating the heavens and the earth. Not that it was the initial creation, but that it was recreated after um, uh, the great flood and destruction of all life on earth. Um, and we call that the pre-Adamite period. And we know that during this time, as it starts in Genesis, the first chapter, um, that Adam and Eve were created to replenish the earth, to multiply and replenish uh, life on earth. We know that God also put... Uh, every living thing and every creeping thing that was on earth and that was in the sea and that was in the air. Uh, and, and, and that was that time. 
But then there became a time, starting in the sixth chapter of Genesis, where uh, the fallen angels had started to uh, have children with the, 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 the daughters of men. And what it had done was it had corrupted uh, the Adamite bloodline through which the Messiah would come. And so in Genesis, the sixth chapter, in the fifth verse, it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And I want you to know now that grace does exist. And it says that God's grace uh, is continual from day to day. And he has an abundance of grace and an abundance of mercy. It says, but these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man. This is the first thing we must must determine whether or not we're just before God. Now, though there are many just people in the Bible, uh, there are there are what eight of them that are uh yeah just eight people specifically identified as being just and Noah was one of these men and it says that he was perfect in his generation that didn't mean necessarily that he was a perfect person morally as i look through some of the references here but it, it meant that he was uh without blemish without disease because as we go through the scripture and, and read it, uh, Noah is going to be the one where God begins to replenish and multiply the earth with. So he was a perfect person in that manner. He didn't have any physical issues. Okay. And we know that God chose Noah because of this and because that he was the remaining, only remaining, uh, human that had not been contaminated by the blood of the fallen angels. And Noah had at this time three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And his sons were married and they had no children. And then he had a wife. So these eight people, God was going to put on an ark because he said the earth has got to be destroyed and everything on the earth. And we know the story. God gave specific instructions for Noah to uh, put the creatures on the ark and to bring his family on the ark. Now, in time past, I, I, I have preached this wrong, that Noah had went out and he was preaching that it was going to rain. Well, nowhere in the Bible does it say that uh, Noah preached to anybody. God specifically told Noah 
to gather up his family and to gather up these creatures and to get on the ark because he was going to destroy the earth because the earth had become wicked. The earth had become violent. And when it talks about the violence, it talks about uh, the maltreatment, the injustice, the cruelty, and the oppression that was going on on the earth. Does that sound familiar? Is that something common to us today? I think so. So for that purpose, for that cause, for that reason, God instructed Noah to get on the ark and God said that it was going to rain, a rain that would flood the earth. And we know that it rained for 40 days and for 40 nights. And the water rose above the hills, it rose above the mountains to where it covered the whole earth. Now the duration of the flood was about a year and 17 days. A year and 17 days was the earth flooded. And it didn't destroy everything like it did in the first flood, as we see in Genesis. But it destroyed everything that breathed. Because when the dove came back to Noah with the olive branch, it let us know that the trees and the vegetation still lived, but anything that breathed after a hundred, after one year and 17 days, that had all died off. All of the bugs, all of the mosquitoes, all that stuff that, that was, was on the ark was going to reproduce all of this. But everything that was on the earth, it was destroyed. But where I found hope was in verse uh, Genesis 8 and 20, um, where it talked about uh, uh, Noah having built an altar unto God after the water subsided from the earth. And he took every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. He was still glorifying God. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing as I have done. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. So the Lord, he's looking at things differently now. Because we know that the earth, the, that man's heart is wicked and that things are, are going on that um, are not pleasing to God. But what God has done is he's allowed us as individuals to examine ourselves and allowed us as individuals to make a choice to live holy, to make a choice to be right. That's why I say, will you be ready? The Lord has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. The Lord has had mercy on us to where he has given us his spirit 
that we might have life, that we might be ready when Jesus comes back. But the devil, who is continually working to deceive, that he might take away the hope of salvation from them that will believe him, that he might cause us to overthrow anything that we have in God because we believe the lie. I want you to hold fast to the truth today. Now is the time when we should get into our word and know the truth for ourselves. Because I listen to many people who call themselves Christians and listen to their rationale behind some of the things that they say, how they justify the behavior of some. Well, God has never justified unrighteousness. God has always stood for righteousness. We see not only here in Genesis, uh, the, the, the sixth through the eighth chapter, where it, it repented God that he had created man, but we also look at Sodom and Gomorrah, where that the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah were so bad that he destroyed the city. Now keep in mind, he didn't destroy, he didn't destroy everything physically, but he destroyed them that lived in that city, so much so that he had Lot and his family remove themselves from the city so that it wouldn't be part of the destruction. His standards have not changed. Holiness is always going to be the standard of God. Don't get caught up in the fact that we want to be able to draw more people in so we have to relax the standards to allow people to come in. No, we have to continue to be holy. We must continue to be right, notwithstanding the show of compassion, because God certainly showed compassion towards us. Notwithstanding that we must love because that is what God did for us. John 3 and 16 says that God so loved the world, his enemies, those people that hated him through the things that they did, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Don't allow the church to change from the standard that God has caused just to say that we're doing it to draw people in. Remember, a little leaveneth, leaveneth the whole lump. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I want us in this day and time to draw closer to God, to be more like Him. God wants us in this day and time to be more like him. He's very careful to remind us that if we don't, we're not going to make it in. If we don't, we're not going to be able to make it in. It is a hard choice for some. Others, it's a very easy choice. For me, it's an easy choice. I don't want to give up everything that I've attained through God for a few moments of simple pleasure. No, I would rather hold on to what he's given me so that I can live with him forever in eternity.
And today that's what I want you to do. I want you to examine yourselves. And I know that things happen and uh but that's life. And I'm not trying to make it sound like it's not worthy of consideration. But the enemy uses that against us because we're uh we're a humane people. But God hasn't caused anybody hurt and pain to turn their back on him. God has stretched his arms out for you to come unto him. If you're hurt, if you've been bruised in any way, now is the time to allow the Lord to come in and heal that hurt and mend those bruises. If it's been in the church, don't look at the church because it wasn't uh, God that did it. A man can certainly uh, put himself in a place uh, in the church to where he's esteemed highly, but don't allow that person to cause you to walk away from God. Today, as we begin to close, I want to um, pray for those that are yet unsaved and those who have allowed themselves to slip back, for those who are straddling the fence, uh, I want to pray that the Lord would continue to watch over anybody who has been affected by the COVID-19 virus. And I want the Lord to strengthen our faith today and that he would help us not to be deceived in these last days. And I really want the Lord to touch our leadership's heart. We need our our leadership, the nation's leadership, to be led by God. So if you would pray with me. Father, we come in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as we come in his name, we ask that you would have mercy on us according to your loving kindness. And according to the multitude of your tender mercy, blot out all of our transgressions. Lord, wash us thoroughly with the blood of the Lamb and cleanse us from any unrighteousness that we might be found in your presence at the appearing of Christ. And Lord, we're asking that you would just bless them that have been affected by this virus. Lord, comfort them that have lost and heal them that might be yet sick. We pray, Lord, that you would just strengthen us with might by your spirit in our inner man. And Lord, guard our minds that we not be deceived in these last days. And Lord, lastly, but not least, I want you to lead and guide the leadership of this nation. Help them to make wise decisions. Help them to make decisions that are going to work for our good. And Lord, as you do this, we'll give you all of the glory. And we'll give you all of the honor. And we'll give you all of the praise. In Jesus' name. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, 
Keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Let everybody say amen. And until next time. Not just what you say.
okay. 